It's every other Sunday again. Welcome to Sustainability Now, a bi-weekly program focused on environment and social justice in the Monterey Bay region, California, and the world. I'm your host, Ronnie Lipschitz. My guest today is Valentin Lopez, chair of the Amamutsun Tribal Band of the Costa Noan Indians and president of the Amamutsun Land Trust. The Amamutsun are descendants of the more than 20 politically distinct indigenous peoples of the territories ranging uh, spatially from Año Nuevo to the greater Monterey Bay. All right. Are you there, Val? I am, and I apologize for uh, being a couple minutes late here. My apologies. Well, that's okay. Um, uh, well, welcome to the show. Um, I just did your intro introduced you. And um, I'm wondering, I don't think, you know, our listeners may not know much about the Amamutsun, so I wonder if we could start there talking about uh, about them. So who is the Amamutsun Tribal Band and what is their status in the eyes of the U.S. government? Um, well, well, thank you very much for that question, Ronnie. Um, well, first of all, we are, our tribe is comprised of the documented descendants of the indigenous people of, excuse me, our tribe is comprised of the descendants, uh, we're all documented by the way, uh, by, of the descendants of the indigenous peoples that were taken to missions um, Santa Cruz and Mission San Juan Batista. Um, you know, and a lot of people want to start our history um, with the missions. Um, but our history started long before the missions. The missions came to Santa Cruz in 1791 and San Juan Batista in 1797. And then, and then the, um, and then, uh, but, but our history goes back in the area. You talk to the anthropologists, our, our, our time goes back to 15, uh, to, you know, to uh, 15,000 years. Yeah, but according to our tribe mm -hmm. and our thoughts, we, we've been here forever. So there's, you know, so we've been here a very long time. It doesn't start with the, the, that. Now, regarding the status um, with the U.S. government, we have no status. We are a federally unrecognized tribe. As such, they have no responsibility for our tribe, and we have no relationship with them. Um, the, 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 um, what's really curious there and, um, is that in 1851, they sent um, a, um, a commi commissioners to California uh, because they were getting a lot of um, concern and complaints about the landless Indians in California. And so they uh, they sent a commission here to negotiate treaties with the California tribes. And for California, they negotiated 18 treaties that applied to most of California Indians, including our tribe. And we were signature to that mm -hmm. tribe, excuse me, to that treaty. And then whenever uh, we signed that treaty and then the commissioner signed that treaty, 
and it went to Washington, D.C. to be ratified. The, um, the um, state of California, they did not want those treaties to happen. You know, they did not want um, treaties. They did not want reservations. You know, they wanted extermination. And so mm-hmm. they passed uh, they passed a resolution asking the president and the U.S. Senate to not ratify those treaties. And then they sent a, um, a lobbying effort to, uh, to um, Washington to lobby that the treaties not be signed. And uh, shortly thereafter, the president of the United States ordered that those treaties be sealed for 50 years, which they were. And so for, because of that reason, we have no... Um, we do not have any um, any treaties with the federal government. We have no um, – they're not federally recognized. We have no tribal lands. And, um, and you know, our, our treaty was sabotaged by the state of California along with mo- uh, many, many other tribes. Are, are you still trying to, um, to get federal recognition then? You know, the federal government has developed in 1978 – they developed a federal, uh, a federal recognition process for the un, unrecognized tribes. Mm-hmm. And it requires seven criteria. But those criteria um, are practically impossible. Very few tribes have met that requirement. And the process has gotten more and more complicated over the years. The first California tribe to get recognized was the Timbashaw Shoshone, and they were down, they're one of the desert tribes near the California-Arizona border. And their petition was 60 pages, and they were ratified. But as I said, over the years, it got more complicated. In 1992, the secretary of the BIA, um, who was no longer, the, you know, who wasn't retired or, or moved on at that time, um, testified before Congress and said those guidelines are nearly impossible for any tribe to be recognized, including um, the, the tribes that are federally recognized today. And um, he recommended that those um, criteria be he recommended that those criteria Oops, I think we might have lost him. Um, maybe we can go to a, a quick I'm break. Here, I'm we sorry. Oh. Are you I'm back? Here, sorry. Okay, I'm go back. Ahead. I was moving to um, quiet some noise outside the room. <laughs> okay. So, um, and I'm done now, and I'm back. So the um, so uh, anyway, those those criteria have never been revised. They're still impossible today. Mm-hmm. Um, Tribes are submitting well over 20,000 pages of documents and uh, for their petitions. Very, very few, if any, get um, through the process. The last tribe to get through the process was uh, uh, Shinnecott out of New York. Uh, their petition took 22 years and $88 million. Oh, my. Yeah, with all the lawyers and genealogists and public relations and lobbying, and it just went on and on. But $88 million in 22 years. And mm-hmm. so uh, our tribe doesn't have that kind of money. And so we're saying until that process becomes 
a more um, likely or more reasonable or more fair. Um, we, at this time, um, do not see that being for us. Yeah, yeah. So um, how, how many villages were there in the, this area? And I, I pointed out that, uh, that you're associate descendants of 20, 20 groups from uh, Año Nuevo down to greater Monterey Bay, Monterey Bay area. Um, how many villages were there in that area historically? Well, there, you know, um, gee whiz, uh, you know, um, the best number I have are 20. Those are the, the 20 villages. Like, say, for example. Oh, okay, I see, yeah. I, I, I know that you have, you know, um, tr you know, in that area, though, you have tribes. You have the um, the Kidoste tribe, which is, you know, up there we were working at by Costa Nova Lodge. Mm -hmm. and, and, the tr and the village site that was at... Um, the, the um, we, we refer to it as the um, Kidoste Valley now. That was the Metene tribe. So the Metene tribe would have been one of those village areas. But they were within the uh, Chotoni, uh, within the um, Kidoste tribe. And then when you come down um, be below them was the Chotoni tribe. And the Chotoni tribe is where that monument is today. And north and, and, and north of there as well. And then when you get to Santa Cruz, you have the Uipi tribe, U-Y-P-I tribe. Okay. And, um, and they were comprised of a number of village sites. And then okay. when you go down south of that, you have the um, Aptos tribe. And Aptos is one of the few tribal names um, that we have today. And so the Aptos tribe is, is, is south of that. So they were they covered they covered fairly small territories then, it sounds like. The, the villages did, that's correct. The and, villages and, did cover small territories. And and um how did the, the groups determine, you know, what was the extent of the of their territory then? Well, you know, our creation story tells us that creator defined it. Oh, I see. And okay. That's the story. Um, the other thing that's important okay. to recognize here is that watersheds, uh -huh. the important watersheds are where our people lived. And so that right there would define a lot of, of tribal territories as well. Got so it. that's uh -huh. a, a second way of, of looking at it. Um. Uh, I, I imagine many of our listeners have read Malcolm Argoli's Ohlone Way. And so I was wondering, maybe you could uh, mention whether uh, you're, you know, you're Amamutsun and, and the groups were related to the Ohlone. And was there any such group as the Ohlone, or is that his, you know, someone's creation? Yeah, I've never um, liked that word. And, um, no, no, I, I, I'm, I'm aware of that, but right, that's the... <laughs> That's what we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the you know the word Ohlone comes from the word Ohon, O L J O N. And the Ohon tribe um, um, was the tribe at Pescadero. They were the tribe north of um, of Kiroste. Yeah. Yes. And they, um, there was the Spanish referred to them, the Ohon tribe, as the Ohoni. I see. And then uh -huh. 
they started referring to everybody down to Monterey up to San Francisco as Ohoni. Mm-hmm. And then whenever Cromer wrote the Handbook of California Tribes in 1923, um, he used the word Ohoni in writing for the first time, and he just grouped all those tribes from Monterey to San Francisco in as Ohoni. And so um, our tribe, uh, you know, we're Mutsin. Our identity is Mutsin. You know, we don't yeah. want to be identified as Ohlone because we're taking away their not, uh, their tribal identity. Plus, that's not where we are. Right. Who we are. Yeah. 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 Uh, l- listen, Val, we, we, need, we need to take a quick break, okay? And then we'll come back and, and continue our conversation. Uh, you're listening to KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz and KSQD.org on the Internet. And over to you, Emily. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. All right, Ronnie, back to you. Okay, this is Ronnie Lipschitz. You're listening to Sustainability Now, and my guest is Valentin Lopez, chair of the Amamutsun Tribal Band uh, and president of the Amamutsun Land Trust. We were just talking about uh, the uh, the villages that, that uh, comprised the area around the Monterey Bay and up the uh, coast, and um, I was asking about Ohlone. So, so, Val, maybe you could pick it up there. Oh, okay. Well, um, and today everybody, you know, must that name Ohlone really um, impacts us today mm-hmm. because a lot of people who say want to claim that they are Ohlone if they can come from Monterey or they Oakland or San Francisco and say we're Ohlone, so we get to speak for all Ohlone territory. Yeah, and yeah. we have people coming in and claiming that territory and our traditions and our ways of doing things that are just absolutely not true. Hmm. And in, in Margolin's book, Malcolm Margolin's book, I'm afraid that that happened in a number of those stories, where people were speaking for all Ohlone as, as if though they were a Ohlone tribe, when there's no such thing. So, um, you, you, that, know, you think, know, I think, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a. I think it's a kind of a misconception because you know many many Native American groups that have reservations have have fairly large territories and and most of most people don't recognize the uh, the fertility of of California and the uh, the sort of small ranges that the groups occupied. I think that's probably what what's happening there. Um, can you tell us a bit about how Spanish colonialism disrupted the villages? Oh, yeah. No, they were devastating um, to, um, to, the, to the California tribes, particularly the coastal tribes. You know, a lot of people think the Spanish came to um, evangelize in the name of Jesus Christ, and it was a sacred, holy um, um, mission that they were on. And that couldn't be further from the truth. In 1453... Um, you know, 
you know, these other lands were starting to be discovered, and they realized that the world was a lot bigger than than they thought. And the Pope at that time, Pope Alexander VI, he put out a number of papal bulls that relate to the indigenous people. And then um, there were subsequent papal bulls over the next four years that were just devastating to to the indigenous people around the world. Um, those papal bulls said, for example, that indigenous people are heathens, pagans, and savages, that we have no soul. And having no soul is a really important one, because if you have no soul, you're not a human being. Mm-hmm. And so we had no—so no matter what they did to us, they could whip us, enslave us, um, rape, rape us. They could kill us. And it wasn't a sin, because we were not human beings, and we had no soul. Uh, the last um, papal bull in 1493 known as, as is, is the Doctrine of Discovery. The Doctrine of Discovery um, talked about was this kind of a directive to the European Christian nations to go out and discover these lands and claim them as their territory, the Spanish, the Portuguese, the French, etc., and claim it for their countries and to turn them into Christian nations. That was their directive from the Pope. And... Um, Shortly after that, shortly after that, you know, the, the Portuguese, for example, started going into Africa, capturing blacks and selling them into slavery. But they did so with the moral authority and approval of the Pope and the Catholic Church. They were just fulfilling the directives of the papal bulls. Other things the papal bulls said are that we were the enemies of Christ that we were to be put into perpetual slavery, and that our property and our possessions were to be taken from us. So um, when they came into California, those missions, they came to fulfill... I'm sorry, that last papal bull, the Doctrine of Discovery, also said um, that we were to be, that we were either to assimilate or we were to be killed. That's a really important one. We were to assimilate or be killed. And so as a result of those papal bulls, that's what the Spanish Inquisition was all about, where thousands and, well, millions, rather, of indigenous people were killed around the world in the name of the church or the name of Christ, and, um, or in the, in the name of Christianity. So that was just a horrible thing. So when they came to California, they were here to fulfill the obligate the directives of the papal bulls and not to evangelize in the name of Jesus Christ. And the true story of the missions has never been told. Never mm. been told. Mm. Um, there was slavery. Well, people were enslaved. The person that wrote that book, um, an American, American, uh, um, an American genocide, the catastrophe of the California Indians. Um, his mm-hmm. name was Ben Madley. He wrote a paper um, last year or the year be- um, before that that talked about the missions being the first um, mass incarceration system uh, in America. And because we were just captured, we were forcibly captured, brought to the missions, and enslaved. And um, and then the women were raped, 
families were separated. They wanted to break our culture. They wanted to break our spirituality. They wanted to destroy our environment so we'd have nothing to go back to. Um, and they want, you know, and they, um, you know, we were not human beings, so they just um, destroyed our humanity. And um, they were pretty darn uh, complete about that. They were just brutal. During that period of time, well over 100,000 Indians in California died as a result of that. Um, if you look at Mission um, Santa Cruz, uh, they, they started going away over the hills, and they went all the way into the valley over by Stanislaus to capture Indians and to bring them to the mission at Mission Santa Cruz. At Mission San Juan Batista, they went as far as, they went well beyond Fresno and well beyond Corsgold uh, to capture Indians and to bring them. Our tribal historian, Ed Kitchum, um, did a count of how many tribes were taken to Mission San Juan Batista, and 84 tribes oh. were taken to Mission um, San Juan Batista. And then in 1823, um, the superiors in Mexico City of the Catholic Church sent out a, they called it Interregarios, and those are there was a survey or a questionnaire, and one of the questions they asked is how many Indians died at the mission. And the priest there reported that 19,421 Indians died at Mission San Juan Batista. And um, there was still another 10 years to go before the missions closed. So it was well, it was, it was, it was, it was more than 19,421. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. uh, we're just brutal to our people. How how did you know? How did your particular group, the Amamutsen band, start? You know what what is its specific history then? Well, you know. I mean, how um, did you how did you find each other? <laughs> well, we've always been together. We did not need to uh -huh. find each other. We've always been together. Oh, okay. You know, uh, but, one thing that was, uh, one thing that we did. Of how do you know? How do you know? How do we you know? And 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 then the mission period was followed by the Mexican period, where it was nobody talked about. But that was equally no, brutal no. to the Mexican period. And then you talk about the American period, you know, that was devastating, and in particular, um, devastating for the other tribes in California. It was devastating for us as well. But they were paying bounty monies. They're paying militias to go out and kill Indians. Um, in um, in 1853, I think it was. I forget what year, 1851 or 52, 53, right in there. Um, one of the very first um, state bonds, treasury bonds, that was sold by California was to pay for the extermination of California Indians. You know, I mean, those bonds are passed for the public good. You know, libraries and highways and schools, etc. Um, how is the extermination of California Indians recognized as uh, how could it be the, the public good? You know, and yeah, um, yeah. so it's horrible times. In the Santa Cruz Sentinel, which has been around for a very long time, in 1873, the Santa Cruz. 
published an article. Um, uh, it was one of those small legal document uh, article things. And it said the county of Santa Cruz will no longer pay bounty money um, for the scalps of Indians. For the, well, it, it specified um, um, Modoc Indians, but it was for any Indian. They would no longer pay uh, for the scalps of, 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 of bounty money. And um, that's in our territory, and that's in your community right there. They were paying bounty money for Indian scalps. And the way we yeah. survived that is because when we went to the missions, they took away our Indian name and gave us a Christian Hispanic name. And we could not speak our Mutsa language or our Waswas, or Waswas of Santa Cruz. Well, mm-hmm. that, that whole, um, yeah, that whole um, area there. We could not speak yeah. our, our native languages. And we had to speak Spanish. And so whenever this time came, we just said, well, wait a minute. You know, we're not, we're not Indian. That's an insult. Don't insult us by calling us Indians. We are Mexican. My name is Sanchez Moreno. My name is uh, Garcia Rodriguez Lopez, et cetera. And we speak Spanish, you know. And uh, so that, that's how we survived. That's uh-huh. how we survived. And then after that period, um, we, our people just lived in, um, to our, our tribe stayed together in tents, living along creeks and rivers and streams in the Hollister, um, primarily, area, um, uh, and Gilroy. And then uh, they would travel to work the different farms and agriculture and pick the crops and stuff like that. Um, they would pick uh, the strawberries, and uh, they would travel around as you know wherever the labor force was. Um, they also went to the valley to pick cotton and to do the grapes. And uh, that company survived up until um, 19, you know, and, and then uh, whenever the economy started to change in the 50s from agriculture, you know, to more industry, and they were selling those big ranch lands for, for ranchettes and, yeah. and housing and, um, you know, development. Um, our people, you know, our people... Um, had to start, you know, they didn't have, a lot of our people did not read or write. And all they knew was the agriculture. So many of them had to move to the, to the San Joaquin Valley to, to find work and to, and to survive. Oh. So uh-huh. that's how a lot of people today got to Fresno, um, uh, Madera, Hanford, et cetera. I see. Um, okay, I need to take another break. Uh, you're listening to KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz and KSQD.org on the Internet. This is Sustainability Now, and we will be right back. Because of overwhelming weekend beach crowds that undermine shelter-in-place orders, Santa Cruz County is implementing new rules to limit beach activity during peak hours. Beaches will be closed to the public from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. beginning this weekend. At other times, beaches remain available only for recreational activities to promote physical and mental health. Walking on the beach alone or with a family member is allowed. Activities such as lying, sitting, standing, sunbathing, sightseeing, and other non-exercise-related activities remain restricted. No umbrellas, barbecues, coolers, beach chairs, shade structures, tents, or other equipment will be allowed at this time. Water-based activities such as surfing, swimming, paddleboarding, and kayaking will not be affected by the order. Beaches may be traversed to participate in these activities. 
Additionally, facilities adjacent to beaches, such as parkways, sidewalks, and trails, will remain open. For more information, visit www.santacruzhealth.org forward slash coronavirus. Residents may also call 831-454-4242 between the hours of 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. daily. Now back to you, Ronnie. Okay, thanks, Emily. You're listening to Sustainability Now. This is Ronnie Lipschitz, and my guest today is Valentin Lopez, chair of the Amamutsun Tribal Band. Um, Val, I want to I shift now to some more environmentally related uh, issues, and I, I was wondering if you could tell us about Jurastec, um, what's going on there, and, and uh, what you're trying to do with respect to that uh, tract of land. Well, Jurastec is the oh, okay. sacred site um, to our to our tribe. Eurostock um, translates to place of the big head, and the big head dances were our most sacred and most important dances. The people would come from all around, as far as Yosemite and um, the Pomo and the Chumash would come for those. And uh, it's not only the Amamutsun that have um, big head dances, but they, uh, many California tribes still have them, and some tribes still continue that dance today. But Eurostock was used for ranch land for many, many years. And, um, and then in the 2000s, or late 1900s and 2000s, there were many efforts made to develop that. They wanted to turn it into, into um, a golf courses and housing and... Um, you know, and, and other kinds of um, development there. And they were all denied by the county because of the important environmental impacts there. Well, those environmental impacts are still there. Um, there are protected um, wildlife. Uh, the waters are very important there. Um, um, the plants. And it's one of the last remaining, um, people call it pristine. To us, it's not pristine because... You know, all the native plants are gone, and, you know, yeah. it's been a, there have some impacts. But, you know, as far as development, there's very little uh, development that has occurred there. And the place where, and, and then in 2014 or 2015, there was a proposal that went to the county to uh, do sand and gravel mining. And that sand and gravel mining was going to go um, at or very near where the site, where the... Um, those, the, the, the big head dances were held, and our tribe said that you, you, you know the count, we're not going to allow the county to do that. I mean, enough is enough. Enough of our um, cultural sites, our spiritual sites, our, our, our the important sites, coastal sites, our cultural sites for our, our tribe have been destroyed, and we're not going to allow that to happen anymore. So we started speaking up for it, and. Um, you know, whenever we started talking about the environmental issues con concerns also, so the environmental organizations got in touch with our tribe and they joined us in, um, in, in opposing the sand and gravel mining effort. The, the company that's trying to develop that, the corp uh, the, it's an investor group um, that's trying to uh, do the sand and gravel mining. 
and uh, they are piranhas. They want to just, uh, you know, they buy the land in bankruptcy, and they want to just monetize it and then flip it as fast as they can. Um, that's their business model. And so um, the land has a certain appraised value today, but if they were to get that mining permit, that would make that appraised value be three, four, or perhaps more times hmm. that amount. And then they, they're not going to develop the mine or do the mining. They're just going to sell the permit at that point and move on to the next property. But that would just destroy our most, our most sacred site. And it's not just where the... It is not just where the um, that that mining area is going to go and destroy four sacred mountains. You know that whole area, all of Eurostock is sacred. You know, you know our responsibility since creator is to keep the land sacred, and our people uh, concentrated and focused on that area. You know, as keeping that entire area sacred. And our, uh, for example, our spiritual leader Kuksui um, was there at. Um, you're a stock and such. So it's, it's, it, we have an important, you know, area going down there. There's, you know, because we are federally unrecognized, there are no laws that protect us. No, no federal, state, or county or city laws that protect any of our um, any of our traditional lands or sites. And um, so, so the only thing that's going to allow us to succeed in, 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 in stopping this mining area or this mining permit is for the public to support us and to speak out about it and say that the county must recognize um, this area as, a, as, as an important Amamutsun cultural site, important sacred site, as an important environment for the Amamutsun. And then they also must recognize the environmental qualities as well as far as the importance of the um, endangered species, as an important wildlife corridor, uh, you know, because Eurostock is at the very bottom of the Santa Cruz Mountains. You cross 129 there, and you're in the Gabalon Range now. So, um, uh -huh. you know, so it's a really important um, wildlife corridor, and it's also an important wildlife corridor east to west um, from the Santa Cruz Mountains to the Diablo Range. Um, you know, so there's there's a lot of environmental concerns and interest here, but the public only only public support will stop this, and we're asking the public to stand with us to join us. You know, I, we didn't mention exactly where it was. I mean, I have a vague idea now, but uh, can you locate it with respect to you know cities and and other highways? Sure, and I'm sorry I didn't do that the first time. Thank you for <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't ask. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. Um, it's at the very southern end of Gilroy, and if you know where 129 and the 101 uh -huh. intersect, that is to the property to the north and to the west. It's okay. 6,400 acres, and 1,800 of those 1,800 acres um, come into Santa Cruz County. So, um, uh -huh. you know, Santa Cruz, this has a special interest for Santa Cruz as well. Now. Now I saw I was I was reading up about it and I saw that something about the uh, environmental impact review has been you know is happening or has been postponed or some something like that. What's the the status of you know what is the political status right now in the county of the the, the permit proposal? Well, 
You know, the county understands that this is a very contentious and difficult issue. And so they're trying to be very careful in developing, you know, in, in, in preparing that EIR. And, um, and um, well, well, let me say one thing about that EIR, too. You know, we were asked to, we were recognized, you know, there was a law that was passed in, um, I think, uh, um, not that many years ago, three, four, five years ago, AB 52. And in California, it applies to California tribes. And that is that um, before there's any development um, on, on, on tribal lands, uh, they must consult with those tribes. Now, AB 52 sounds great, like, like we're able to consult with them. But the counties, that isn't just a check-your-box consultation process. And um, they're not obligated to do anything other than meet and talk to us. So in that meeting, we asked that there be an ethnographic study completed for Eurostock to show the importance and significant cultural, uh, cultural and spiritual values of Eurostock. And that was their... That report has been finalized and presented to the county. Um, it is. We did sign a confidentiality agreement with the county and with the um, the developers that we can't talk about it. But whenever that report comes out, we will ask you know people to read that very carefully. Now, um, whenever um, the so the status is that because they know that it's going to be. Uh, um, probably um, go, you know be, end up in court you know if they if they give it to the um, you know if they allow the mining permit you yeah. know a lot of the environmental groups in the tribe um, will 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 sue and um, likewise if they don't permit the, the mining permit it will go to court based on that and so you know we understand that the county is well aware of that and is doing a lot of um, research preparation and double checking of the draft EIR before it comes out. That draft EIR was supposed to come out in November, I believe it was. Um, yeah, in November, but it's gotten three or four postponement, postponements, and now we've been told it'll come out at the end of the summer. And um, when it comes out, we are asking people to please. Um, look at it and provide comment to Santa Clara County, and then to um, attend the uh, public hearings and stuff that are on this, uh -huh. and uh, okay. help help us voice our our objection to them and to stand with us and to stand with the environmental groups as well. You know, maybe maybe toward the end of the summer, I can get someone on the show who can speak, you know, more to the uh, to the various legal issues around this. Um, uh, okay, um, I, you know, I was looking at the website, the Land Trust website, and I saw that you also sponsor something called the Native Stewardship Corps. And, uh, you know, what is that? Yes. Well, you know, our creation story tells us that Creator gave us the responsibility to take care of Mother Earth and, and all living things. And so for thousands and thousands of years, our people actively stewarded and took care of these lands. They took care of the, the plants, the, the waters, um, the animals, um, 
They had a lot of ceremony to keep the land sacred. They had ceremonies to call back the salmon, call back the migrating plants. Um, we used fire as a management tool um, um, for the landscapes. The 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 the, the coast, the, the central coast area of California, the, um, in Santa Cruz, north and south. Um, that was there at one time. Um, was a coastal prairie. It, it was not what you see today. You know, all these trees coming in, you know, and all those shrublands and everything else. And then they were not part of the landscape of California um, when, the, when those missions and the Spaniards came in. Um, I know that those early explorers coming in on ships, they wrote that it was a, it was a beautiful landscape and it was a, a, a park-like setting. Uh -huh. Etc. But everything was ma was maintained and managed by fire. Our people would use fire to keep all uh, those encroaching plants and, and shrubbery and trees out, and um, and then we kept the we kept you know we kept it as a as a very um, important grassland. And those grasslands and everything was area, um, you know, was recognized as as one of, uh, as the most biodiverse landscape. In, in North America, so that was a very you know where you are was you know was a very biodiverse area and it looks nothing like it was today, but that was because of our stewards or our ancestors stewarding the land, and so that's what we're trying to bring back now. In 2012, we developed the Amamuta Land Trust, and there's four goals for our land trust. One is to do research to restore the indigenous knowledge of our ancestors. The second is to provide education to the Public and to our tribal members to re to you know to relearn that knowledge, and then um, to fight to protect our culture the, the few remaining cultural and spiritual sites of our of our tribe. And then the fourth one is to you know return to our tradition of stewarding the lands. And so today we have a stewardship core of nine stewards. We just hired two new ones. Um, who will be um, working to restore the coast. You know, they're all certified uh, firefighters, um, and they and they um, are certified on chainsaws, and they're working to restore that coastal prairie. Mm -hmm. And currently okay. working on a project, you know, to um, in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a state park area there. It was a traditional site to... Um, to cut down trees and to restore the native plants. And so that's one of the projects we're currently working on. But, um, you know, so our stewardship core is to uh, restore that tradition. And, you know, and, and, and their job is to regain that knowledge and to pass it on to future generations and for us to continue learning um, the, 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 the stewardship knowledge of our ancestors and the contemporary stewardship so that we can effectively um, manage um, in a traditional way our traditional lands. All right, we need to take a quick break. You're listening to KSQD 90.7 FM in Santa Cruz and ksqd.org on the internet. Over to you, Emily. Thanks, Ronnie. Tune in to KSQD this Sunday for State of Mind, hosted by Santa Cruz licensed psychotherapist Deborah Sloss. Deborah's guests are Judith Ein and integrative medicine specialist Dr. Cynthia Quattro. They discuss the tick-borne illness, Lyme disease, and the mental health effects associated with this. 
Judith shares her personal story of deteriorating health before her diagnosis and what the treatment and long-term symptoms are. Despite discouragement and fatigue, she now manages her symptoms and contributes to her community. Dr. Quattro offers information about the bacterium that causes Lyme disease and how to access diagnosis in integrative medicine from treatments with extensive experience with Lyme disease. Join us for new understandings and seeds of possibility on State of Mind, Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. here on KSQD 90.7 FM and KSQD.org. Back to you, Ronnie. Okay, that's coming up in just about 15 minutes. You're listening to Sustainability Now. Uh, uh, this is Ronnie Lipschitz. My guest is Valentin Lopez, chair of the Amamutsun Tribal Band. And I was just, we were just talking about the uh, research goals of the Amamutsun Land Trust. Um, and I was wondering, Val, if you could also talk about the relearning program at the UCSC Arboretum that's run by Rick Flores. Yes, thank you. We're very I'm happy and proud of our relationship with um, UC Santa Cruz and with the Arboretum and, and, um, and of the Arboretum. They developed a garden there. We were talking to them one time in the early days, like 08, 09, and telling them that we're working to restore the native stewardship gardens. And um, our native um, knowledge. And um, and they uh, they said, oh, you know, let's how about a garden here? It was their idea, actually. Uh, you know, how about having a a relearning garden here at, at the arboretum and stuff? And we just said yes immediately. And now they have a 54 or 55 acre relearning garden, and it's teaching us to take care of our medicine plants, our food plants, our basketry plants, and our back for other um, uh, other uses and um, our people can go there and gather as needed. I know I've collected food, seed plants there on a number of occasions and our people regularly go there as well to collect resources and in particular the um, the medicine plants for, for ceremony and um, it's a wonderful program where people go on there and work with the plants and work with the with the um, uh, the, the people with Rick and with others at the Arboretum, you know, to keep to to manage that uh, garden and maintain it, and it's turned into a, a wonderful program. And and it's relearning, but relearning isn't just for us; it's relearning for the public as well. Because you know what I say is, there's not enough Amanuta now to restore Mother Earth and to um, restore our, our landscapes to what it was before contact. We need um, other, a lot of other people to get involved who want to restore our native plants so they can go to the Arboretum and learn about our, our native plants and stuff like that and what would work in, in this kind of, uh, you know, at, at this location and with these kind of conditions, et cetera, and they, and they help with that. But then they can also learn about our native plants as well. And then we have um, regular... Um, 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 they call them work and learn parties where people can go there and uh, work at the arbory for three or four hours and help us uh, you know, maintain the, the, uh, the relearning garden, the native garden. And then we'll take a have lunch and then in the afternoon session um, we'll have tribal members talk about um, how to do traditional 
Oh, I know we've done weaving, we've done um, bead making, um, making salves with our with with uh, uh, medicine with uh, medicine plants, and uh, etc. So um, it's a wonderful program, and uh, we ask people to go there when they want to find out more about traditional native plants, or they want to find out more about our our traditional ways, and that's a good place to go. So um, we're real is, happy to have the ship. Are, are those, is that information listed on uh, on the Arboretum website? I mean, it's closed right now, but can people find out about those uh, sessions by going to the the website? Or is there is this yeah. somewhere else they have to look? No, the website, the, the Arboretum website would have it, but plus our Amamutsun Land Trust, you can sign up um, to receive our newsletter, um, to sign up as a volunteer, or to receive um, updates, regular updates um, from the land trust on upcoming activities um, of the tribe and of the land trust. Okay, well, I'll, I'll mention that again um, at the end of the show. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, as a, we're, we're getting close to the uh, end of our hour, but I wanted to ask you about how the, the pandemic is affecting the members of the tribal band and what people might do to help them. Thank you for asking that question, Ronnie. Um, our, you know, our, our members, any of our members, you know, now have um, traditional jobs that you would recognize, and so their treatment is pretty much the same. But we still have members, you know, who live in uh, in, in, in difficult circumstances. And um, I know we put out a and ask on uh, Facebook to see if if anyone um, needed food as an example. And we got six, six requests. And um, we worked with Pie Ranch to get vegetables from there. And um, our, our, one of our stewards drove over there, got it, and then um, uh, delivered it to those, to those members. And uh, the members were in... Modesto, um, Madeira, Fresno, and Hanford. And two of those um, persons were very elderly and wheelchairs who needed assistance. And uh, other members needed assistance as well. And uh, we knew that our tribe had a responsibility to help take care of them. And so we started a GoFundMe page um, asking for donations so that we can better take care of our tribal members who are affected uh, by the virus, mm-hmm. and to help us, and so we can, you know, so that we together can help them with food, or with transportation, or with medicine, um, etc. And so um, our tribe has developed a committee um, to review the requests from our tribal members and to make determinations on how best we can um, can assist them. But uh, we do ask if people would like to help our tribe to be able to better take care of our members during this difficult time to please um, you, you know, go to our GoFundMe page and, um, and, uh, and to make a donation. Yeah, I, I got an email message the other day about the, it's called the Amamutsen Families COVID-19 Relief Fund, um, and it is on GoFundMe. Um, and the request is that uh, listeners might 
contribute part of their stimulus check from the U.S. government uh, to the fund. Um, okay. Um, and, oh, and contributions are tax deductible. Uh, so listen, as, we, as we're closing, um, how can people find out more about the, the tribal band and the land trust and, and volunteer opportunities? Okay. Well, thank you for asking that. Um, well, we have, on the Eurostock campaign, which is our top priority right now, we ask people to go to our Eurostock um, website. It's at protecteurostock.org. And Eurostock is spelled J-U-R-I-S-T-A-C. And um, there's a lot of information there about what the issues are, what the environmental concerns are. Um, I spoke at the United Nations on this topic in, in 2018, and the recording of my talk is there. Um, and uh, there's just a lot of information there, and people can find out a lot about it. What we ask you to do is go to our your, uh, Protect Your Stock website and sign the petition, and then send that petition to uh, you know the to your family members, um, to the people in your social group to the people um, on your social pages, your Facebook page, et cetera. Help us get that message out and ask them to sign the petition. Then they can write letters to the county and ask them and tell them the Yamamutsen tribal band, um, the territory, its, 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 its traditions, its culture and spirituality must be protected. And then whenever the um, draft EIR comes out, Please review it. And if you have specialties in any particular area, pay attention to that area. Provide technical um, comments on those areas. It could be on the water. It could be on um, uh, 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 on the wildlife. It could be regarding the, the corridor, the, the wildlife corridor, or on, on the plants. But but you know, please please provide comments. Or, again, just a general comment. After the draft EIR comes out, I'll provide that to the county. And then other ways you can help are go to the Amamuta Land Trust and, and uh, sign up for our newsletter. We certainly, you know, our, our newsletter, there's a lot of information that comes out on that. And be that to keep up with what we're doing. And I know that um, right currently we're trying to build a, develop the capacity to handle more volunteers because... Our capacity is growing, and um, we're getting a little bit more um, funding to help us in our work, and so we're going to be able to um, to do more. And so we're going to be asking for more volunteers to help us. So if you'd like to help us, um, you can sign up as a volunteer at our website. Uh, I know that one of the bigger projects we have coming up is we need to plant approximately 40,000 native plants in one of the landscapes we we're going to. Um, and that's coming up, you know, um, we'd probably be planning about right now, it wasn't for this um, COVID illness, but we're going to be planning that as soon as we can get back to work. So that's just an example, you know. And then other things are just, um, you, know, our, our, you know, we say that we want the truth to be told about our history so, and, and all, all indigenous history. So how to get the truth out there about the indigenous history. Why isn't the truth being taught in schools? You know, you heard about that, um, the, the treasury bond passing to exterminate Indians. Why didn't you learn about that in high school or college? 
you know, and then uh, bring the bounty money and pay militias to go out and kill Indians? Why isn't that in there? You know, the slavery and the brutality at the missions, you know, it's just all been lies and cover-ups to help, help expose that. And then the environment. Okay, listen. The environment. Thank you. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you so much, Val, for being on the program. Um, two weeks from today, my guest will be Ann Lopez, director of the Center for Farmworker Families in Watsonville, and we'll be talking about farm workers uh, in the Salinas Valley and their needs and how they're being affected by uh, the pandemic and other kinds of issues. Uh, that'll be on Sunday, May 17th, 5 to 6 p.m., right here on KSQD 90.7 FM, on your dial and ksqd.org. Um, by the way, these shows are being rebroadcast on Tuesday mornings from 6 to 7 a.m. if you get up at that time. And you can find past program broadcasts uh, on archives at uh, tinyurl.com backslash RESD6JB and on the KSQD website. So until next, every under, other Sunday, sustainability now. And thanks very much to Emily Dunham, who is taking care of engineering at the station. So